So recently we talked about Disney's abandoned and failed theme parks, and we all have always known that Disney has a creepy past. But what you may not have known, or at least I didn't know, is that there are other, of course, abandoned and slightly haunted amusement parks around the world. Today we're traveling to West Virginia to an extremely creepy abandoned amusement park that is also, dun dun dun, very haunted. Mama, I'm going home. Just kidding. I'm from Virginia, <laughs> not West Virginia. Did you know you can marry your cousin in Virginia, but not West Virginia? What? I know. Shocking. I'm really excited to get into this one. We've talked about Disney a lot, but we've also personally watched so many videos of other theme parks, and they are so much weirder, so much scarier, so much more off kilter. Uh, I've never heard of this one that we're going to be talking about today, so I'm excited to get into it. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. Um, I will be van mom number one, driving all of my children today to this haunted abandoned amusement park. Are we there yet? Should I ask that every five minutes of this podcast? <laughs> yes, feel free to ask. Like, will you kill me or will our listeners first? I am Eleanor. I'm your skeptic. I am so excited for another theme park episode today. It's been a while since we went to a theme park together and this kind of scratches the itch alleviates the need just a touch. Together we are the Gruesome Twosome and this is Internet Urban Legends where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. We might find the answers we're looking for, we might scare ourselves into staying up all night. Today we are taking it back to our Internet Urban Legends roots, baby. Why do I feel like our podcast was just like founded on creepy amusement parks? Yeah. I think that was our first crossover, really, in like something outside of just like I don't know, the normal parts of our friendship that we had in common was that we both had this like really niche fixation on like the creepy and disturbing parts of theme parks, whether it was creepy animatronics breaking down or like theme park history or whatever. We've both always been very into theme parks. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. We're taking it to West Virginia, baby, and we're going over to the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. Now, this place has a very dark past. The beginning of this is going to be a little bit heavy while we talk about pretty much all the things that happened both on this land before it was an amusement park and uh, all the things that happened after. So let's get through it. The area was originally said to have been home to a Native American tribe. Now, there was a supposed war between this tribe and European settlers that tried to steal their land. So already not looking great. Not great. 
So much later, of course, in 1988, there was an archaeological dig by the Marshall University that found numerous Native American artifacts and tons of bodies. So again, we're not looking at a great start for this land in general. It's like blueprint for do not enter. <laughs> Literally just don't. Just leave it alone. I'm steering clear. <laughs> So in the 1920s, an entrepreneur at the time named Conley Snido, I can make fun of him. I can make fun of him. He bought this cursed land and his name is Snido. Sniffling little Snido. <laughs> he sounds like a Harry Potter villain. Are you kidding me? He does. He does. Sniffling little Snido. I can make fun of him. He's rich and he's a bad person. I'm going to just do it. Anyway, so he buys the land and he turns it into an amusement park, which normally would be celebrated. But this land has a really bad history already and uh, all the things that happened after it was doomed from the start i think this property and this amusement park in general did he buy it after the archaeological dig or before before okay so he didn't know this land he just bought land for an amusement park he didn't know but he's still a movie villain in my head and um okay he's he's got to remain that way okay i i respect it thank you thank you i yes. appreciate that now to paint the scene i think that an amusement park in the 20s was obviously so different from what it is now um the park had swings a gigantic ferris wheel a dance hall and a pond for swimming that's so quaint meanwhile we're like we're roller coastering with like the yeti and like, disney and like <laughs> They have like massive, like, like Fantasia has a giant animatronic dragon. <laughs> and we're like, oh, they had a dance hall and a pond. A pond. Literally like not them getting into their pond with their with their fancy little <laughs> swimming clothes. Wow. A West Virginia amusement park. Small level of amusement <laughs> for this amusement park. Now, what's interesting is seemingly despite the lack of what you would assume would be like, anything dangerous at this park. I mean, we're looking at a Ferris wheel and some swings and a, and a bond. Uh, six people died at this park. Oh, how long was it open? So the park was open until like the late 60s and six people died. I guess it's not that many in like 40 years of operation. And you know what? When we talk, at, okay, I'm going to call myself out here. When we talk about Disney and how I'm like, of course people die at Disney. They have such a high capacity. The odds are they would just die. But then we talk about it with other theme parks and I'm like, six people died in 40 years. You are a Disney stan. I am, I am. <laughs> it's honestly, Disney's marketing has been successful. We're willing to excuse it. <laughs> Brainwashed. So most notably out of the six people who died at the park and supposedly the ghost that everybody sees the most, belongs to a little girl who was on the swings, the big swings. We kind of have a photo of them later on in our script, but just to paint a picture for you guys, like it's not like a, a park swing set, like one that you might have in your backyard even. It's those big ones where it sort of like spins you around, you know, and there's like like 30 seats all around. and Like the fair ride. Yeah, like a fair ride. That's probably an easier way to describe it. Yeah. So a little girl was on these swings and she was hit by a truck that was delivering beverages and passed away. Really, 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 really sad. And similarly to Disney, on top of that, there were also two more deaths due to water drownings. So I, I guess people can just drown in anything. Mm -hmm. It's so scary to think that like a theme park, like you would think you would be so safe there. There've got to be lifeguards and people like watching and you can still die. You can still drown in like two inches of water. 
Is it weird that I'm surprised there weren't more deaths? Based on how you're setting up this, like, maybe how this park was run, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that there weren't more freak accidents that, like, it sounds like they only had a couple of attractions and, like, somehow these sus fair rides didn't actually kill anybody. Like, the truck did. I think it's kind of surprising, too. Like, I mean, it's not, like, a big park. It was older. It was literally like mm -hmm. purchased and kind of created in the 20s. So it does surprise me, too, that there were only six deaths. But it wound up being closed in 1967 uh, because of the deaths at the park. So when it closed in 1967, the structures were simply left there. But basically, just to describe it for those of you at home who <laughs> cannot open this link on your phone, as I am right now, you see the like big swing set and it, it's like, it's just like the wires, like the most bare parts of this. And you can kind of see the Ferris wheel in the background. But what's really startling is how nature has taken back over. And I was talking about this with our producers yesterday, how like, okay, so when we record IUL, there's always something. There's always some kind of technical mishap or there's like the garbage truck is going by. Yesterday, it was my neighbors mowing their lawn for like a <laughs> solid like half hour. And I think that this photo kind of like in a weird way, reminds me of what the world would look like if we stopped fighting nature so hard. Oh, yeah. Like, if we stopped literally mowing lawns and, like, cutting down trees and, like, trying to keep it away from our pristine little buildings that we're making, this is what would happen. It's weird to think about. And pretty quick, too, right? Oh, completely. Like, it would only take a couple decades for it to just completely reclaim the earth. Imagine if humans allowed that to happen even 1%. Be in a good spot. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because I can't, but it would be a wonderful world. So it's obviously been left to rot. It closed because of these deaths. It had this like crazy history. But we are here, baby, because this is Internet Urban Legends. And as sad as the history of this theme park is, there's some ghosties supposedly lingering about. So up next, we will discuss the hauntings that supposedly still plague the park to this day. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the park was largely left abandoned. However, in 1985, the park was purchased again by a man named Gaylord White, who tried to reopen the park on July 4th, 1987. So the park opens again in 87. There was an archeological dig in 88. Okay. So you might already be able to guess how this grand reopening went. Not great. Right. So it was fully abandoned three years later after opening 
So think like 91 because rising costs, they couldn't keep up the park. And again, structures were just left there. <laughs> like once again, everything left from this park. Now, what's interesting is the new owner came out and said that he saw the little girl's ghost. Apparently she was infamous for haunting the park and people would claim to see her around. So the owner comes out and he's like, yeah, I saw the little girl all the time. He says that it was the same one who was hit by the truck. Her dress would always be covered in blood. And he's telling this to the travel channel. (laughs) Bye. He's like, listen, it's so haunted. Like, no, we know what's going on here. Okay. He bought this park blind. Uh Uh-huh. Bought the land. Fully, yes. He commissioned the archaeological dig. He owned the land. Yep. Do we know that the archaeological dig is legitimate? We know it was done by a university. Okay, so it actually was. That's like a true thing. Yes. Okay. But he didn't sell the park until... Or he didn't even sell it at all. He didn't close the park down for two years after the archaeological dig. No. He only closed the park. Like, when did he make the statement to Travel Channel? I have to assume, this is always my conclusion, that the park failed and he was like, oh, I might not have a park, but I certainly have a haunting, which is just as lucrative. You might be onto something there. You might be onto a little something, something there, especially with what the park turns into later. If you're not planning to turn your amusement park into a haunted attraction, why are you commissioning an archaeological dig in the first place? Right. That is literally only fodder to create a haunted attraction. It is very, very sus timing now that you pointed out because like the park reopened after being abandoned for decades in 87. The dig was in 88 Mm -hmm. and the park remained open for two years. I have to imagine that he bought it after people were already like, oh, this place is kind of creepy and bought it with the intention of making it a haunted attraction. People, I think, are pretty sus about the Travel Channel interview. I'm not sure exactly when it came out, but like even to this day on Facebook, there was this one person who was like, hmm, wonder how much the White family paid Travel Channel to give them this free publicity. Like, I think you're really on to something that probably the man who bought this theme park revitalized it. He knew what he was doing. And I think that, listen, not to give spoilers, but I think it became what he set out for it to become. If this park ends up on TV shows, this is a closed case. We know exactly what happened. Well, funny you should say it. The park is now frequently uh, investigated by paranormal investigators. Primarily, it's been featured on Ghost Lab and most terrifying places in America. Now on Ghost Lab, supposedly, one of the investigators got stuck in an old ticket booth. And listen, I don't blame her for this. She got so panicky while she was in there. She literally had to be hospitalized. I would be the exact same way. If I got stuck in a ticket booth in an old theme park, ghosts aside. Claustrophobia. Sedate me. Yes. That would be awful euthanize me promptly. (laughs) Yes. Like, I do not want to be there. So White still owns it. He still owns the park. Yes. As far as I know. Currently, he's just making money off of selling the park out to these shows. Mm, And so much more. Listen, today only is open on Halloween as a haunted attraction. (laughs) We missed the deadline for this year, but... Yo, Gaylord White, marketing genius. Theme out of planning. 
that went into this. Really look at the timeline. He buys the park in 85. He opens it in 87, an archeological mysterious dig where they realize that there are bodies on the property in 88, closes in 90, Now today is a haunted attraction decades in the making where TV shows frequent and people pay top dollar to investigate. Like no shade to him either. Like I, I'm not really one of those people who I guess wants to like vilify people. In this circumstance, it's a little unfortunate because there was like, there is a literal burial ground. I wouldn't mess with that personally. Right. That's just me. But in other cases, I don't really, I guess, mind people capitalizing off of like hauntings, horror, we go to Horror Nights every year at Universal. It's still just entertainment. It's still something fun. Absolutely. Again, this is a little sus because he like went through the effort of verifying that like people literally did die here under sad circumstances. A child. However, I don't know. Like, is that like a terrible thing to buy this park that otherwise would have been abandoned forever and turn it into something that people who enjoy horror and enjoy the paranormal can enjoy now? I think that it's really interesting how the passage of time allows us to sensationalize like literal human deaths to the point where like now it's the catchphrase of the park. Oh, it's haunted because of this horrible accident that happened to this little girl that if it happened today and then you went ghost hunting and did all this stuff, people would be livid and rightfully so. I think that it's so interesting how us as people, I don't think it's like a bad thing. I don't think that we as people are trying to exploit the dead or like that we have ill intentions. I think we're so desperate for answers. Mm -hmm. And the idea that a little girl, especially, died under these circumstances, the idea that this park has all of this mystery behind it, I think that we all just want to solve the case. There's also something to be said for the passage of time. Like if a little girl died at a theme park now, we would know her name and her story and like who she actually was. It, we've literally just been referring to a little girl, like just a random child. So you can go to that park and feel no guilt about her death because you know nothing. All you know is that like she was hit by a truck at some point in time so many years ago that you probably can't even connect with it. Right. And now it's just, it's become this commodity. Like I think that kind of across the board when enough time passes and details of stories are lost, they get so smoothed over that we stop really feeling like, and again, this isn't a bad thing, it's everybody, but you stop feeling the same kind of compassion you would for human death that's recent. I agree. I think it's probably a mixture of that and like a want to solve a mystery or a want to feel connected to something like this. I think it's interesting. And I say this as someone who ghost hunts all the time, who like has said a million times that I'm 99.9% .9 sure I have a ghost living in my house. He's just a dead person. He just probably died here. Yeah, like that's a dead person. You know what I mean? But it's like, we just don't, we don't make that connection at all. So if we could go to one abandoned park in the world, this one, a Disney one, any of them, what would it be? I already know my answer and I can't Ooh. go because it's been taken down. Have you ever heard of Nara Dreamland? This could be a future IUL episode. I have not. So... When Disneyland was reaching like its height of popularity, Nara Dreamland was Tokyo's, or well, actually just Japan. I don't think it was actually in Tokyo. Yes, I do know this. Yes, we watched videos about it. Yeah, so it was Japan's response to Disney. It was like this very like, how do you explain it? Like a copyright-free amusement park. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't get copyrighted stuff. It wasn't a Disney park, um, but it had like the big pink castle. It was a very popular theme park. And then Tokyo Disney Sea opened. 
and it closed down. But it was just left abandoned and like left to stand there for years and years and years. And it was fascinating. I mean, think like we we were just talking about how nature takes over. Think about how nature takes over a theme park that's just been abandoned for years and years and years. And it looked fascinating. So cool. It's been torn down now, but really cool place. But okay, so if you could go to any abandoned theme park with no consequences, what do you think it would be? I think I'd still hit up one of the Disney parks because I guess it almost makes sense that a park like this would close down. And because they didn't start as pristine as the Disney parks do, it wouldn't feel, I guess, as dramatic. Like if we're talking about the park we're talking about today in West Virginia, even at its best, it probably didn't look great, right? So like the overgrownness just would not be as shocking as going to like Disney and seeing Mickey Mouse everywhere with like cracks all up in the wall and like that would be weird. I think the Disney branding is what would make me feel the weirdest because you never see products, buildings, characters in that state. I agree with that. I think it is the Disney lens, almost like the little Disney filter Mm -hmm. that makes everything so much creepier. They are such perfectionists as they should be. They're such a massive company and um, that's why they're so successful because they are perfectionists. But It's really, really interesting. With Lake Shawnee in particular, though, to get back on track, do we think it's haunted or do we think this was fabricated for the sake of what the park became? I don't think it's necessarily haunted, but if the like archaeological dig is verified, then I have a difficult time saying that it wouldn't be. If there is a place that's haunted, like it is on it, like we know any kind of burial ground you don't mess with you just don't mess with having that many if ghosts are real we talked about this so many times i'm not planting myself where so many of them would be just period i do think if it was actually haunted we would have seen more death and destruction throughout the park six deaths really sad really sad circumstances but it was like what 40 years Mm -hmm. and even now like there's no reason it would stop being haunted now it's been open for almost 100 years at this point and we've only had six deaths, it's not striking me as super haunted. What about you? I think it's gotta be haunted. Again, like as someone who grew up really close to burial ground that had been built on top of, of course, not my family's land or anything like that. It just, it was the circumstances of living in deep South Georgia. Unfortunately, I have to say that like my own experiences lead me to believe that this park would certainly be haunted, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's only open on Halloween now. It does lead me to believe that like, I can't believe this is coming out of my mouth. It does lead me to believe that maybe it's been like dramatized to some degree, at least the ghost sightings, even though they they do seem kind of few and far between online because that's what it's open for now. That's how it makes its money. Exactly. Like people are going there to see a ghost in the hopes of seeing a ghost and are going to be doing everything in their power. What is this podcast doing to me? I know it's making you a realist. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I got to know. What does everyone at home think? Do you think that Lake Shawnee could be haunted? Do you think that it's all like a buildup for the sake of what the park became? Let us know all over the internet with hashtag gruesome twosome. We would love to hear from you. For 
now. Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loey and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we have loved this deep dive into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of the podcast, Internet Urban Legends, for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loweybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast, Slash Management, and by Deanna Markoff, Avi Gandhi, and Ed Simpson from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with associate sound design by Mike Ramos. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Lexi Kiven. Research provided by Yumi Shin. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor, better known as Snitchery. AKA the gruesome twosome. 